we are doing a, a series this morning called Rest. Uh, we're just bringing it to a conclusion where we looked at the fact that we can rest in God. Um, and then we looked at the fact that we can rest in God's plans. And this morning we are going to look at the fact that we can rest in God's salvation. And my hope is that you walk out of here today with perfect rest, uh, with appreciation of really what God's salvation means for us. So when I was preparing this sermon, I was, I was you know, going on a trip down memory lane, and I was remembering my Christmases as a kid growing up. And I was thinking about, you know, presents and all that. And unfortunately, when you get a bit older, the, the kind of magic and the excitement of Christmas, it seems to wane a little bit. Um, I, re I remember as kids, you know, just being so excited. And come Christmas morning, you, you wake up, you know, you're, you, you'd never wake up at four in the morning. But on Christmas Day, the excitement's going, the heart's pumping. And what we used to do in my house, uh, myself and my sister, we would always be on a mission to locate the Christmas presents before the time. And coming up to about a, you know, it, we, it would normally start about a month before Christmas. You know, we, we'd start to reckon, okay, they've probably been, my dad was quite forward thinking, so they've made a plan to get the gifts. And what we used to do is when my parents would go out, we'd, we'd act very cool. You know, we'd be like pretending to watch TV or doing something. But as soon as they were out the driveway, we were like, you know, on high alert, and the special ops would start. And, and we would start scouring the house. You know, we'd start, um, you know, from the one room to the kitchen to the cupboards. Um, you know, what we began to realize year after year is my parents weren't very creative with the hiding places. It seemed to be in the same place every year uh, until they cottoned on to us. Um, you know, they cottoned on to what we were doing. I think we were caught... Uh, you know, with our, our hands in the cookie jar, shaking the presents, and then they got a bit more creative. But the thing with the presents were, was that these presents were so close, but yet so far. And it was this expectation of opening these presents that caused so much excitement. But as I say, the presents were so close, yet so far. And what we used to have to do, we weren't allowed to open the major presents. We could maybe open a small one you know, before Christmas Day. I know many people now do it on Christmas Eve. But we had to basically go through something quite hectic. You know, something that would take a lot of time before we could actually get to the good stuff, the presents. And that was known as church. <laughs> and and I, I really say this. If I, I think my parents are here and I do apologize. With the best of intentions, they took us to church. But... When we walked into the church, time began to stand still. And I'm actually convinced to this day that actually time started to go backwards in that place. And what we had to do was, I always remember it, there were five hymns. And what they would do is you'd, you, you'd sort of, there'd be an introduction, the guy would talk and they'd do a bit of the liturgy. And then the first song would start and up and down. And then there's some more of the liturgy and so it would go, and you'd be just looking at the board, you know, just mark it off, tick, tick, tick. And, you know, I'd look at my sister, and it's like we'd give each other, you know, a look just saying, stack till we can do this. But, but you know, almost in the guy, that I, I think some of the ministers used to play with us. They knew, they were like, you know, oh, 
uh, we've got to hymn number four, but let's go back to three, and they just, we would, we, we would be just, but, but for us, it was one of the most longest enduring things, and it, it was a funny way, but I know this wasn't the intention, and I think it was good that we went, but it was almost, almost kind of the idea of a punishment before the presence. The fact that, you know, we were going to have too much fun opening the presence, and um, you know, we had to actually get through the obligation first and do the stuff that we're supposed to do. As a child, though, I think I was really missing the point. Because maybe at that stage, I mean, what's happened in my life is the more I've come to know who God is and who Jesus is, is that I realize he's not like that at all. And what I've begun to realize is that Jesus is really the best part of Christmas, but not in a way that he's an obligation that we need to get, it, get out the way. When we start to realize who God really is and the benefits of who he is and who he is in our lives, just the, the amazing, incredible character he has, it actually starts to become true that we can enjoy him and he becomes the best part of Christmas. So my intention this morning is I really hope I don't punish you. And I, don't hear, and I hope no one feels the time is going backwards. But I, I want to really feel that this morning that we can, we can get to know God and you will have an encounter with God, even if you've been a Christian for a long time, and especially if you've never met God, that you'd have an encounter with God today where you'd realize how amazing He is and that He would be the best part of Christmas. Because, you know, Christmas is really all about the gift of Jesus, the gift of Jesus to the world. And I really, I really believe that this gift can truly be appreciated as we look at God's salvation. The good news of his salvation, it really reveals the character of God. And as we look at this, this good news, this amazing message, and God's beautiful salvation, I believe we can have perfect rest in ourselves. You know, you think it's great when you get a a gift like a car, if you're given a, a car, if you're given a house, it brings such incredible rest to your soul, an amazing gift. And the gift of Jesus should bring that perfect rest to our souls. And his salvation should do the same. And, and that's really what I wanted to look at this morning. So as I say, uh, I, I want, I'm going to just pray for us quickly and then I'm going to go to the scriptures and yeah, let us look at this amazing gift which is Jesus Christ and his salvation. So Father, I just thank you so much that we can be here today and really just enjoy this morning with you. Appreciate who you are and the amazing gift that you are to us. And from that place, we can get perfect rest for our souls because you are perfect, God. So I thank you, Lord, that you just open our hearts to your word this morning and that it will just bring transformation in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to ask that you'll turn with me. It's going to be up there, so you don't really have to, but if, you, if you're a keen being and you want to, you're most welcome. Uh, it's, it's Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 14. And just to give you a picture, we've been looking at the whole nativity story. And, and as I mentioned last week, Luke beautifully puts us into place. He mentions all the details, and he's quite 
specific about the birth of Jesus, about how it happened. And we've looked at the story around the story, the, the way the angel visited Mary and said, you're going to have a son who's going to be the savior of the world. The way, you know, John the Baptist, uh, his parents were approached by an angel and he was going to prepare the people for the Lord. And of course, this morning, we're really going to be looking at the, the birth of Jesus and obviously the news of that spreading. So I'm going to re- read from verse 1 and you can follow up on the screen or you can read in your Bibles. In those days... A decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration that Quirinius and the go- was governor of Syria. And I practice that name, by the way. I'm just joking. Um, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, that will be of great joy for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Christ who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel, uh, there was, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host uh, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace amongst those with whom he is pleased. This morning, looking at God's salvation, I want to look at something that the angels said um, when they visited the shepherds. Obviously, we are appreciating the birth of Jesus and the gift that this was, but I really believe that there's something very distinctive in the angels' message to the shepherds um, that, we, that actually is, is quite instructive for us today and can teach us about God's salvation. So you can just imagine the shepherds there tending their flocks by night and they have this angelic visitation. They probably thought, have we eaten something funny today? Was the stew off? You know, did you not check the sell-by date? You know, and they must have thought. And the thing was, they were terrified. Now, I believe one of the reasons why they were so terrified after they thought, you know, are we hallucinating or what's going on? And they realized it was an angelic visitation. A lot of the time, when when God would sort of come down and there would be an angelic visitation, it was not necessarily a good thing. And when these things happened, it was a sign of God pointing out sin to people. And I'm sure the shepherds, like most of us, when we come against God's holiness, when we see God's holiness, 
we know that we fall short. And the natural response to this is we have fear in our lives. Fear of judgment, fear of the unknown, of what's going to happen in our lives. And the first thing I wanted to say is that the angels, when they saw the shepherds being afraid, they said, fear not, for, I, for we have good news for you. It's good news. And that is the first thing this morning as we look at the rest that we get from God's salvation. The first thing about God's, God's salvation that brings rest is the fact that we don't have to be afraid anymore. There's nothing worse than when you know you've done something wrong and someone comes and puts the finger on it and calls it out. And I think that each one of us, when we compare ourselves to God's standard of holiness, we fall far short. We know we fall short. And although it's good to be mindful of it, it's not nice when people point it out and point out our predicament, how far we are from God. But the beautiful thing about this message, when the angels told uh, the shepherds and they said, you know, that a Savior is born, as they said, fear not, for we have good news. And it's good news because it was a message of mercy rather than judgment. And it was not saying, it was not a case of the angels coming to point out the sinfulness of the world and of the shepherds, but actually to provide a solution for it. And that is one of the things that is revealed in God's salvation that I love, is God's mercy. And God's mercy is an amazing theme. If you look at the word mercy in Luke 1 and 2, it, it occurs again and again and again. And that is really God's character that is shone through in His salvation, is His mercy. And rather than pointing out our predicament, how bad we are, providing a solution for it, I remember when I was a kid, obviously I'm going to do a lot of reminiscing, my apologies this morning, <laughs> but one of the most godly examples for me when I was a kid was of this one pastor called, well he, he was called Father John, and he was an Anglican pastor in England, and my mother had taken us to church, um, and the average age of the church was about 65. Uh, myself, my sister, and my cousins and mother were the only young people in this church. And everything was so stern and so regimented that I started laughing. And then my sister started laughing. And then my cousins started laughing. My poor mother was absolutely red. Everyone in the church was looking around. Um, you know, it was, it was a disaster. We were in absolute hysterics. And the, the more people stared, the more we laughed. And I, and I was the, the, the demagogue or whatever would be the right terminology for it, who set the whole row laughing. And I always remember my mother being furious, shame, but, she, you know, she felt so embarrassed. And everyone in the congregation looking at me, like, almost like, what are you doing? You've totally ruined the boat. You've messed it up. You've taken something sacred and taken it through the mud. And I remember this. This Father John coming up to me afterwards, and you could see everyone saying, oh, he's going to sort him out now. He's going to sort him out, you know. And I saw this, and the, the, this, this priest came up to me, and he literally packed out laughing, and, and he joked around with me. And it was in that moment that I saw the grace of God, the mercy of God. 
And that funness of God as well, that, that love, that God, you know, he was just happy that I was there. And all through my time, even though I walked away from God and I had my rough moments and, you know, didn't want anything to do with the church, I could never fault that example that that man had shown because he revealed the mercy of God. And that is the first thing that this morning we can have perfect rest in God's salvation because it shows his beautiful mercy to us and provides the solution. And the other thing I think that this priest, uh, Father John, displayed was this amazing, you know, he, he started laughing with me and he displayed this joy that God has. And I really believe that, you know, we've heard the theme about joy coming out this morning. The second thing the angels said to the shepherds is that there's good news that will bring great joy for all people. Now, growing up, God wasn't something you were able to enjoy. God wasn't something you were able to enjoy. You were almost supposed to go in to church and look guilty and not joy, enjoy God. There was the thing. And I believe 100% that joy and enjoyment are inescapably linked. And oftentimes I hear this, people saying, well, I've got joy, I don't need to smile. But I want to question, you know, it, just because you're smiling doesn't mean you have joy. But if, if you're never smiling and you're never joking, it is a great tragedy. I, I think that, you know, if you're... You know, if you have joy in your life, it'll show by your playfulness, by, your, by laughing and the way it comes out. The thing is, with getting enjoyment from God and having this joy that he has for us, it, unless we have right standing with someone, you can't enjoy being in their presence. Unless things are right between you, you can't enjoy it. And to give you an example of this, I'm going to go back down memory lane to my school days, and I, are you shaking your head, Lindy? No, I'm just joking. Um, but when I was at school, I, I, I had a perfect record. I was a model student. No, I'm just joking. But, but one of the things is, when I was at school, and I had to go anywhere near the headmaster's office, it was not a pleasant experience. It, w it was not fun. You would go there. Oh, it was like, you know, and I knew I was in trouble and even just going there, and I would come in and I'd be, try to look really sorry. Try to look very sorry. You know there's something. But the reason I felt so worried was I knew I'd done something wrong. And the relationship between us wasn't right. I wasn't doing what he told us to do. And then oftentimes when I was asked to stand outside the office, and I would have to wait before going in, I'd see these guys, you know the, the people and Unfortunately, I wasn't one of them. Sorry, mom and dad. But the, the people who used to have the blazers with all the colors on the side, and they'd have colors for, for athletics, um, colors for, for, for you know, sport and academics, for sewing, for whatever you could think of. They had it. <laughs> and the blazers would just get more and more impressive, and you know, it would look like a, a, a sergeant major at the end of the day. But... I watched these guys walk into the headmaster's office and where I had the sense of dread, they would go in there, happy days. They loved being in the headmaster's office. They would walk in there and they'd, I'd see them talking to them and they'd sort of be patting each other on the back. 
they would be yeah, laughing, <laughs> you know. And I thought, wow, something's wrong here. But the point I'm making is that when you're in right relationship with someone, you can enjoy the place you're going. And I think when I was a kid, I never enjoyed church because I hadn't received God's salvation that would put me in right standing with him. And when you get put in right standing with God, when I come into his presence, it's not my own performance that is dependent for our relationship. It is Jesus' performance. And I can come into God's presence with a perfect record, with, with, with colors galore for everything. Jesus got colors for everything. And I can come into God's presence and enjoy it because it is not based on my performance, but it is based on what Jesus did. And that's awesome. And, you know, I, I didn't grow up in church. Uh, we did a bit of church, but went away. But, you know, I, I don't know the way things are done in church, but I've seen it. For me personally, I think it's a tragedy when everyone's laughing and joking and we come into church and then we, we act all miserable because it's, I'm not being mean in a way, but, you know, we should be enjoying God's presence. And if Jesus has set us free and he's made the relationship right, then we need to live in that place of right relationship and enjoy God. And the motivation changes because it doesn't mean we become tolerant of sin. It doesn't mean we become blasé about God, but it means that we follow what he says because he's our loving father who we love so much with all our hearts and we do anything for him. So the commitment, the obedience becomes more. It becomes better. It becomes something genuinely out of the heart. And we're not just doing it because we have to. We're doing it because we love God. And that is what God has. And as a kid, I, I missed it so much because the most fun I could have had was with God on Christmas. He is the most fun. And I want to tell you, if you're a kid here today, I'm sorry that we've rep misrepresented God as making him a stick in the mud. Because he is the most fun person I know. He is the most per person who's filled with the most joy. And he sets us free from all the bad things and puts us in a place where we can love his holiness and love living lives of holiness. It's an awesome thing. So that's one of the main things. I think joy is a theme also with Luke 1 and 2. Joy is mentioned so many times. And I pray that, you know, that joy, it brings such amazing rest to our souls. And it's definitely one of the things you need to walk away with today. The other thing about God's salvation that brings us rest is, of course, the fact that we don't have to try and earn our salvation anymore. We don't have to work for it. It's exhausting trying to work for something you can never achieve anyway. If you do strategic planning or any kind of business plan, they tell you, make make. Make goals that are achievable. Otherwise, people will get discouraged. And when we try and fulfill God's righteousness in our own strength, we get discouraged because we can never do it. God's standard is perfect. And if we try and do it ourselves, we're always gonna fall short. And that wearies our souls. And I think sometimes Christianity can be misunderstood, the message of God's salvation. Because I often hear it said with people, well, all religions are essentially the same. We're just trying to be good by following a set of rules. And, you know, we're trying to just be good. 
But I don't believe that's the message of Christianity. And I'm going to read this just to clarify it. Because often people say, Yo, we follow the Ten Commandments, so it's similar. But I want to read this quote from Craig Parton, which I think will say it quite well. All religions, save for Christianity, see humans on a quest to reach up to God, always striving, always working, in need of the best-tuned system to make this effort productive. Christianity, on the other hand, claims that we are unable to follow the Ten Commandments, that no one can merit heaven by their works, and that the main purpose of the Ten Commandments is to remind fallen humanity of its inability to merit heaven. That is what makes Christianity distinctive. It's saying no religious system, no system of following it, not doing anything, not wearing certain clothes, is going to get you to heaven. But it is faith in Jesus Christ. And I maybe had a wrong view, from part, mostly my own fault, of growing up thinking that Christianity was about trying to be good and trying to go to church and trying to read your Bible. But I'd missed the point because the angels said that Jesus will be a savior. And what a savior does is he does it for you. He does the work. He fulfills the law. And that was Jesus. And when we believe in him, we don't have to work for, his, for our salvation, but we receive the perfect work that Christ did and we can attain that salvation. And lastly this morning, as we've looked at the fact that we don't have to be afraid anymore, that we can enjoy God and we no longer have to work for our salvation. What I also love about the, the message that the angels brought is they said, you will see Jesus basically in a manger. And you're going to see him in a manger, which is basically a trough feeder for animals. And often people say, well, you know, obviously God wanted to do it a certain way. He was trying to be really humble or whatever. I, I don't think that was really the point because if we look at God, God shows off with the skies. There's, there's a, in Psalms it says the heavens reveal the glory of God. So I believe God is not worried about showing off, but the reason he was born, the reason Jesus was born in the manger, I believe was to, for our benefit. If he'd been born in a, 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 basically a kingly place, it would have been something that is inaccessible to most people. We live in a world that is constantly about exclusivity. What is your status? What do you do? What is your past? What family do you come from? We love to classify people. And if you're going to have any kind of position of amazing position, always people will say, what's your CV? What's your past? But I love this fact that God was born in a manger, making this message accessible to everyone and excluding no one, regardless of what they, where they came from, regardless of how little they had, regardless of how bad their past was. Also, what God did is he used shepherds to spread the message. Now, shepherds were seen as such outcasts, they weren't even allowed to testify in court. Yet God used these guys who were probably bringing sheep to the temple to announce to these amazing pharisaical leaders that the Savior had been born. And he used them to do that. And I really believe it, it reveals to us the fact that God's message of salvation is not, 
you know, is, is, is not excluding anyone. It doesn't exclude anyone. And I think sometimes even the worse qualified you are for God's message, the better it is. And correct me if I'm wrong, but there's nowhere in life. I remember, you know, doing, uh, you know, when I was working in England, and there was some job where they didn't even look at CVs. And, you know, one of the only examples I've seen where they said, he said, this is one of the first jobs that I've ever done when, you know, he came from quite a bad past, was involved with some crime and stuff, and he said, they never asked me what I'd done, where I'd messed up. And I believe that this is a message of God's salvation, that God is willing to take us from a place of enemies to a place of royal priesthood. And he's not asking the question, what was your past? What have you achieved? What have you done? And for me, there's such perfect rest in that. I love that. Because no one's excluded, and it doesn't matter what you did. And God will never throw your past in your face. So I just want to ask um, Brian if you could come up quickly. Um, this morning, I'm, I'm not saying, I think sometimes we can often say that you shouldn't enjoy your gifts. And, you know, you almost feel like you've got to shove them out the way for Jesus. But this morning, I want you, it's going to be an amazing time. And I want you to enjoy your time with family, with friends opening your gifts, and just enjoying a time. It's an amazing time of year. But I want to tell you this morning that the greatest gift you can ever have is Jesus. And he is the greatest gift because it is amazing who he is. The fact that he is so filled with joy. He, as the, as the Bible verse says, that he is the source of all joy. In his presence is the fullness of joy. And at his right hand is pleasures evermore. That is the God we serve, an amazing God. And I, I want to pray that, that you will receive perfect rest during this time from the perfect gift. <clears throat> so I also want to ask, I feel it's right that we should have a response moment this morning. That as you've been hearing this today about this amazing gift that brings perfect rest to our souls, I want to appeal to a few people this morning. Firstly, I want to appeal to people who've never known God. If you've never had a relationship like this with God, and it's almost you've been trying to earn your way to God's favor and saying, I'm going to earn my way to heaven. Hopefully, if, if God looks down, I'm going to you know, try and be good. But it's so natural and you're struggling with it. But you want to go to that place of rest. You want to enter His rest where you can be fully sure that you are in right relationship with Him and that He has worked out your salvation. I want to give you the chance to respond this morning. But I'm going to ask you to respond with others because also what I believe God has been speaking to my heart this morning is about joy. To give you an example of, God's been speaking to me so much about joy and when Ants was speaking this morning, we went to two random teachings at different churches, one at a tiny church in Betty's Bay Another one at a, at, at a totally different church in, in, in Cape Town. And someone's, you know, the message was God's joy and how he wants us to live from a place of joy. And what a powerful witness our joy is to the world outside. And if you're not experiencing that joy and that rest, I want you to experience that today. And, and it all happens to all of us sometimes where we feel 
like sort of dry and broken in our in our Christianity and, and it takes God coming in. And I believe that as we celebrate his birth, it is the perfect time to be filled to overflowing with the joy of God. And then as we're overflowed, as we're overflowing with the joy of God, we can give out to others, to friends, family, who oftentimes wind us up the most. And we can respond with God's perfect love, with his mercy and with his joy. So if any of you fall into those two categories this morning that you would like, you know, first of all, that you're not in a relationship with God and you'd like to respond to that, to be at a place of perfect peace with him, I want to ask that you stand. And if you also want to receive more of God's joy, more of his rest this morning, I want to ask that you stand this morning. And I'm just going to pray for us. Yes, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, God. God, you are so good. I, th I thank you so much for what you're doing here this morning. I thank you. Your heart swells with gladness. You are so happy anytime someone comes to you and says, yes, God, I need your salvation. I want to be right with you. And you embrace them as a loving father and you put a cloak on, upon them, a royal cloak, because they are part of your household. And I thank you for those people this morning that have turned their hearts to you and are fully with you. And you know, we know that there's rejoicing in heaven, so I thank you for that. But I thank you also for all of us this morning, God, that you want to give us the gift of Jesus, which is absolute perfect joy and perfect rest. And we just receive that this morning. I want to ask Holy Spirit that you'll just move through this place and you will touch people with your peace, your joy, and your rest. And thank you that we will be filled with joy and peace during this Christmas time, God. And I just thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're moving around the room with, with, with everyone here, that you're touching people's lives, you're touching people's hearts, and you're bringing that joy that just breaks through so many things. And thank you, Lord, that your joy breaks through depression, God. Thank you that your joy breaks through unthankfulness. Thank you, God, that your joy breaks through unforgiveness and disappointment. And we just thank you, God, that you are the perfect gift. You're perfect, God. And we thank you that it's a better gift than we could ever dream, hope, wish, hope, or think for. So we just thank you, God, that you're so good. And we thank you for everything you've done here this morning. Amen. Amen.